Amen. Round of applause for the praise and worship team. <laughs> Amen. Brother Eric was enjoying that. Yes, sir. All right. Praise God. Uh, listen, we're going to turn in our Bibles this evening uh, to John chapter 20. John chapter 20. We're going to read a couple of verses of scripture. John chapter 20. Amen. To kind of finish off this Easter Sunday. Amen. You know, I found a, uh, an article where somebody had calculated um, the typical lifespan of about 70 years and how it's spent. Now, I don't know how true it is, but just, just run with me for, for uh, ind- indicative purposes. It kind of gives an indication on how life is spent. But they said the typical lifespan of 70 years, uh, and it gives a kind of estimate of what goes on and how we spend our years uh, here on earth. It says 32% or about 23 years is spent sleeping, uh, just asleep, just, just your whole life. 32% of it, or even 33% of it, is spent sleeping. It says 16 years is spent working. Um, if you're in Paris, it's going to be probably a couple more years now. The left now, they're trying to push that forward. Um, eight years is spent watching TV. <laughs> Can you imagine? Thank you. God bless you. Eight years. Amen. Just count that. Imagine that. Eight years TV watching. Excuse me one second. They say about six years is spent eating. Come on now. <laughs> For some, it's a little bit more. <laughs> Come on now. Eight, six years spent uh, and it goes through all this and all sorts of things. It gets to religion. 0.5 years is spent on religion. Um, but I'm just looking at that. I'm looking at how the life is split down and how it's estimated. And I'm thinking, what kind of life is that where the most thing you do is, is sleep and watch TV? <laughs> what kind of life is that led? How many know in John 10, 10, I said it this morning that Jesus, he said that he came to bring life. That people may have it and may have it more abundantly. Jesus came to bring an abundant life. Now, this morning we spoke about uh, Jesus Christ uh, uh, conquering death, raising up on the third day. uh, And we're going to kind of continue that uh, as we look at John chapter 20, uh, verse number 19. Uh, Here we see in our text, Jesus has risen. And here we see after he has risen. In verse number 19, it says, Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, uh, When the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. And if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. So here we see Jesus coming out of the grave. He's stepping forth in victory, conquering death. He's appeared himself. Many things has happened in that day. A lot has transpired in the day when he rose from the dead. The first thing was the tomb was found or discovered empty. Jesus appeared to Mary Magdalene. Then he appeared to other ladies as well. He then appeared to two disciples as he was moving down, as they were moving down the road to Emmaus. They rushed back to Jerusalem and told about their experiences. And when they get back, they hear the story of Jesus appearing to Simon. Now the disciples are gathered together in this room. 
They gathered together and the, and the Bible says that the doors were shut. The doors were shut for fear of the Jews. Now, why would they be fearful of the Jews? Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. They shut the doors. The reason they were fearful is because the Jews uh, has already started to cook up plans and ideas and how they can say that the disciples stole the body of Jesus Christ. Because they understood if Jesus Christ has risen from the dead, that means all that they have done is, is going to be turned on them in an instant. So therefore, instead of running to the truth, let's try and bury the truth. Amen. That's what they did. So these disciples were fearful of the Jews because if they said that the disciples had stole the Jews, then probably the high priest has sent out a detachment of troops to find these disciples. You find a disciple, you take them out. But here they were in this room and Jesus showed up. He walked through the door and the first thing he said to them was peace. First thing he said to them was shalom. And I love it in the, in the Beatitudes, Matthew 5 and 9. It says, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the sons of God. You see, because when you function in peace, you are most like the father in heaven. Because he is peace. He brings with him peace. And of course, when Jesus came into the room, when he stepped forth into the room, of course he brought peace. Because we know the, the great prophet Isaiah said in 9 verse 6, he says, Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. So of course he's going to bring peace with him because that's what he is. He is the prince of peace. Listen, when he was born, the angel said glory in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill to all men. So Jesus came, he said it once, he said, peace be with you. I want to give you peace because Lord knows, listen, they need peace. Listen, his body was not restricted by the doors of the building. He walked through, but he still showed them his signs as in the, the marks on his hands and the marks on his side. He decided to keep that. His body was glorified, but he decided to keep those marks to show them a sign to say, listen, I understand there's turmoil. I understand there's war. There's probably people looking for you right now, but I have come to bring you some peace. And we know we need peace because there's peace or there's war, shall I say, on all fronts. You know, man is at war with God. When sin entered the world, we became estranged with God. And now we are at war with God. And because we're at war with God, that then brings or creates a war within now we're fighting ourselves, our flesh and our spirit. We're at war with each other. And now that spills over to be at war with people that are around us. So of course, Jesus Christ had to come in and bring some peace. That's what he offers. When you understand what Jesus Christ has done, when he comes into your life, you would know peace. You would understand peace because he is the prince, the prince of peace. Now, one thing I want to point out in this scripture is that that's not all he came to bring. Because sometimes people sell the gospel as Jesus Christ will come and you will have peace and that's the end of the story. Listen, that's the beginning of the story. That's the first step of the story. But that's not the only thing he came. Jesus Christ, yes, came to bring peace, but it doesn't stop there. Look at verse number 22, or sorry, 21 in our text. It says, so Jesus said to them again, peace to you. And he says these words, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. Think about what Jesus is saying. 
He's saying, listen, we are here to do the same things that he came to do. Jesus said, as the Father sent me, so now I send you. Jesus is saying, I did all of this. I conquered death. I took on the authority. I have victory so I can come to you and send you out and you can do the same thing. Many times we see Christians that would have received the peace, received that and it stops there with them. Receive it stops there with their family. But Jesus said, I have come so that you can do what I have just done. Jesus said, I give you power and authority. The Father sent me and I'm sending you. Jesus was sent into this cold and dark world to bring light and be a witness of the truth of the Father. So now he's sending us to be a witness of the truth of the Son. Can you say amen in this place? When Jesus Christ conquered death, he had victory and he's passed it on to us and we need to do something with it. The first thing he says was, yes, peace. I give you this peace. But he also said, the Father has sent me and now I sent you. This is what it's all about. We are commissioned by Jesus Christ himself. When he came in, the Bible says that the doors were shut and the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews. But don't you thank God that the doors didn't remain shut. When Jesus Christ came in, they come out of the doors and started to witness and be a testimony of Jesus Christ. I thank God just like the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit broke through and fire came upon the disciples. Again, they was locked up in a room, in an upper room. But when the Holy Spirit came and gave them power, they didn't stay in that room any longer. They came outside of the room and they begin to preach the power of Jesus Christ and lives were changed and lives were transformed. You see, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they went out. Life is in descending. Revival is in the going out. Church, we need to understand what happens is when Jesus Christ comes and becomes our personal saviour, we need to take that fire and go out on the streets. You know, yesterday was a fantastic day for so many reasons. But it was a fantastic day because we did exactly that. We said, yes, we understand what Jesus Christ has done for us. But we need to go out and tell people what Jesus Christ has done for them. We need to take the gospel truth and go out and lift up his name. Because he said, as the Father sent him, so he is sending us. He is sending us. We need to go out and do what he's called us to do. We need to go out and be in that number. When the saints go marching in, can you say amen in this place? It was a fantastic time last night. Oh, sorry, yesterday. We saw many people there, but we also saw many people weren't there. Why is that? Uh, listen, I know work and so on and, and all these things and such like that. But sometimes people forget that Jesus Christ said, I'm sending you out. I'm sending you out. It will be a cold day when we start to not prioritize outreach any longer. It will be a terrible time when this church turns and focuses on the things that are insular, the things that are inside. Listen, we'll be on time for practice. We'll be on time for any time of ministry within our church. We'll get up. The, 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 the quality will be right on there. But when it comes to outreach, people are scratching their head. I'm starting to count on one hand how many people go out and share the name of Jesus Christ. Travesty. Travesty. And I'm saying that. And I'm saying that because outreach is what changed my life. 
Somebody stepped out of the church and told me about Jesus Christ. Somebody stepped out of their comfort zone and said, listen, God loves you. They stepped out. They spent money to put on events, to put on things, put on flyers and told me about Jesus Christ. And I was able to get saved and changed and transformed. But now in the church age, you have to beg and galvanize to people say, please, let's go on outreach. Please, let's tell somebody about Jesus Christ. Jesus said, the Father sent me and I'm sending you. We cannot be too busy to do the commission that Jesus Christ commissioned us to do. We cannot stand up and say, I want to do this, I want to do this. But when it comes to the real work of the church, we shy away. The reason Jesus Christ left and sent his Holy Spirit was that we would be filled, that we would go out into the world and preach the gospel and people will begin to hear what we hear. The peace that Jesus Christ brought wasn't just for us. The peace that he came wasn't just for us. Listen, the Bible says in in verse number 23, it says, If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, that they are retained. What a privilege it is to have that said. Jesus said, if you do that, in other words, you can lead people to Christ. You can pray with people to, 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 to lead them to Jesus Christ. And anything that they have done, you can tell them, listen, your sins are forgiven you. Not because you have the power, but because Jesus has the power to wash away the sins, to wash away all the bad things that they've done. And you can share that good news with people saying that your sins have been forgiven you. What a privilege it is to hold that honor, to go out and tell somebody else, listen, the bad things you've done can be wiped clean if you believe on Jesus Christ. You have the power to say sins are forgiven. When Jesus did that, they called it blasphemy. They said only God can forgive of sins. And that's right, because Jesus is God. Can you say amen in this place? And he says, listen, if you forgive sins, then any sins, they will be forgiven. You can go and speak to people and give them a hope that they can stand in front of Jesus. I want to speak secondly about life after death. You see, in verse number 22, I find it interesting. It says here, it says, when he had said them, and when he said this to them, he breathed on them. And said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. You see, the Greek word behind breathed here is emphusio. And it's only used, it's interesting, because it's only used in the New Testament once. It's only used in this place, in the New Testament, when it says he breathed on them, emphusio. And it's interesting to see, because if we look at the Old Testament, we understand it was written in Hebrew, ancient Hebrew. But the first, one of the first kind of translations of the Old Testament is called the Septuagint. And it is a, was translated into Greek about 200 years before Christ. And the funny thing is, or the interesting thing is, this is the same word that they use when God breathed into Adam. 
When God formed Adam from the dust, it says he breathed into the nostrils. It's the same word used here. So in the beginning, God breathed life into something where there was no life and it came. But then Jesus Christ came on the scene after he rose from the dead and breathed again. The reason he had to do that is because when sin entered the world, the spirit that was in us that was once alive became dead because when sin entered the world, listen, death was uh, death was introduced. So we've been living in a fallen state ever since then and we have been dead to God. But when Jesus came, he came to bring life after death. No longer was it just us fighting ourselves, but Jesus rose from the dead himself, but then breathed life into us again. So now we can have the fellowship with God again. Now we can have that link with God again. He breathed the spirit into our nostrils just like God did from the beginning. So that means the dead life that we were living, we don't have to live that life anymore. We can say, God, breathe the life inside of me again. Breathe that connection. Let there be a connection between me and God again. And when you do that, everything in your life would change. You begin to bear fruit. You begin to walk in the glory of God. You begin to do what God wanted you to do. Jesus Christ was the one that restored or the one that resurrected the spirit that died within you. I love it when it says in Romans chapter 5, it says, through one man sin entered the world and death through sin and thus death spread to all men. We skip down to verse number 19 in the same chapter. It says, for by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. And so also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. We see that death separated us, but Jesus Christ reconciled us back to God. So we no longer have to live dead anymore. We no longer have to live and do dead works anymore. We can stand breathing the breath of God once again. The only problem is many people are still living as though they are dead. Many people are still living as though they are separate from God. But Jesus Christ conquered death that you can live. Jesus Christ conquered death and breathed into us again. What we need to do is be revived. What we need to do is live under that fire of the Holy Spirit. Put away dead things. Let's not carry dead things with us, but walk in the light of Christ and walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. He said, receive the Holy Spirit. You know, we've got a a series going on about the Holy Spirit. We started on Wednesday last week. Fantastic. We've got four more in this series. You don't want to miss that on Wednesdays. We'll be talking more about the Holy Spirit. Spirit. And when I said last week, I said, we can't do anything without the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, this is what Jesus came to bring. Yes, peace. He came to bring that, but he also came to bring life. He came to bring power so that you can live. And we should be separate. When people of the world look at us, we should be different. We should be living like we have a power and an authority. I said this morning that Easter is one of my favorite times of the years because we recognize or we remember what Jesus Christ did for us. We remember the life that he gave us. 
Remember the power, the victory that he conquered death. And oh, it will be a travesty if we did not go out to outreach yesterday. It will be a travesty if we did not raise up the name of Jesus Christ. And here I set before you, church, a challenge. Here I set before you. Listen, if you prioritize other things over evangelism, I want to challenge you this evening. I want to tell you, listen, evangelism is a power is a power force it allows us to take the message of Jesus Christ and share it out there because that's what changes people's lives counseling won't do this programs in the youth society won't do this the council the government sure do not know how to do this it's only the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ where lives will begin to change and they will become alive just as Jesus spoke life into the disciples when we go out and evangelize we are being sent just like Jesus was being sent. God says, who will go for us? Who would say here, I will go, send me. And this doesn't mean you have to go be a pastor of a church or anything like that. It does mean that you should evangelize. You should hold that strong. You should stand up. You know, when we go out on outreach, One thing I notice is that uh, I don't see many other people doing what we do. I see a couple of churches every now and again out there. But on the large, for the number of churches that there are in these cities, the city centre should be packed with people witnessing, giving out tracts, telling people about the love of Jesus Christ, going out there in people's face. Why? Because it's it's hard. It's, It's not easy. Uh, that's why people don't do it. It's not easy. Uh, it's, it's, you'll get rejected. Some people may even swear at you. Uh, some people might, might take your thing and throw it in your face. But listen, we've got to go because just as God was sent or God sent Jesus, he's saying, I send you. And he's not sending you out there empty handed because the spirit that is inside of you can go and conquer giants. The spirit that's inside of you can go and see great and mighty things. It's out there in the deep that you would see great and mighty things. I want to inspire you. If you've never been outreached before, um, I want to inspire you. The next time we're on outreach, I want you to come with us. Pick up some flyers. You come. You march in town with us. I want you to, to, to come and experience uh, uh, the life that God has put inside of you. Experience it transferring to somebody else. There's nothing like seeing somebody experiencing what you've experienced. There's nothing like seeing a life change before your very eyes. Because that's what Jesus Christ rose from the dead for, to equip his body. So that when he leaves, we can continue on. Come on now. When he's up there in heaven, he says he'll send a helper that we can continue on and push forward and move. That uh, We can see the kingdom of God here on earth as it is in heaven. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. I was slightly disappointed when I saw the numbers that we started with going to, going to outreach yesterday. But then I remembered, hey, listen, God can save by many or by few. So I want you to know, and this is not an, an, an offensive, this is not, listen, I want, to, I want you guys to come to outreach, make it a priority. But notice if you don't, I'll be out there on my own with flyers, with signs, I'll be out there preaching because I understand the power of evangelism. I understand how it changes lives. I understand what it did to me and I understand it's my job to go out 
and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because if these guys stayed in that room where the doors were shut, they stayed there, none of us will be here today. None of us will be here today. This is, an, this is a challenge to take what we know, to take what we have, take the life that Christ gave us, take the life that he rose up with and take it out and share it with somebody else. If we don't evangelize, church will just fold up and die. I want to close with an with a, with a illustration I've given before. You know, as you walk the streets in any city, any major city in the country, you don't have to walk too far and you'll see a church building. Uh, you, you can see a church building on a corner. You walk maybe a couple of meters. You'll see another church building. That wasn't just because people just like to spend money and build churches. That's because they were needed because of the revival that was breaking out. Because people wanted a place to worship. That place got filled, so they had to build another one. That place got filled. You walk on the streets now, and you see those same church buildings abandoned. See those same church buildings, cold and dark. Why? Because we've forgotten that Jesus Christ said we should go out. And as the church forgot to go out, well, then all that we had just started to die. There was no replenishment. We just got older, died off. And the church was dying off. But how many know there's a revival coming in this place? How many believe that in this place right now? There's a revival coming. There's a revival where people, and a revival means there's a great turn back, where people turn back to God, where people turn back to Christ, people turn back to what Jesus Christ did for us. And we're going to see that in this country. I've been praying for it, and I'm going to continue praying for it, continue to see God move. I want, I want you to also do the same. Let's contend for a move of God. Let's contend for the life of after death. Let's contend for that breath of God to come in us once again, that we can go out in the power. We can go out. It says here again, listen, my father sent me and so I send you. Let's take this commission and let's run with it. Let's go in our hearts and let's go and tell people about the love of Jesus Christ. Listen, he didn't raise up in vain. He raised up from the, uh, from the grave so that we can also be resurrected and go out there and share the life of Jesus Christ and resurrect this city, resurrect this country, the nations around the world, that people will be awakened, that Jesus Christ is King and Lord in this place. Let's give him praise in this place right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father God. Life after death. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes in this place.